It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Hey, it's Nick Ferguson here on Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. If you want to listen to us live anywhere you are on the planet, make sure you go and get that Voice America Radio Network app. Take it with you. Tell your friends. Tell them about it. If you want to join the program, 888-346-9144 gets you into the conversation. It just seems like every week, you know, this poor stuff coming out of uh, sports and entertainment. And like they say, hey, I only report the news. I don't make it. And and speaking of that, uh, earlier this week, Brett Favre was honored in Green Bay and inducted into uh, their Hall of Fame. And the only thing that's left is for him to get a gold jacket and be invited to Canton, which that should be on her horizon soon. Uh, Great stories, personal stories, in my experience, playing against uh, Brett Favre. I'm not saying that I'm that old, but just the fact that I I kind of uh, got Brett Favre in the middle of his career as he was starting to wind down. Still a sensational player, but take a listen to what he had to say at his induction ceremony and at Lambeau Field. I have to admit, I'm a little bit embarrassed that all this is for for me. I, I, I really am. Um, I love to play football. I loved it. I dreamed of playing football. I dreamed of playing in the Super Bowl. I never dreamed of standing here before you in a moment like this. So this is way beyond what I dreamed of, and I am so honored. When I look at the Packer Hall of Fame, I believe in my heart that it rivals the NFL Hall of Fame in magnitude. I've always felt that way. I look up at these names. There's tremendous history tradition here. The greatest coach in the history of the NFL has a trophy named after him. He's from here. Some of the greatest players in NFL history, if not the greatest players, are Green Bay. And to be alongside Bart Starr, Don Hudson, Reggie White, Willie Wood, Willie Davis, Jerry Kramer, the list goes on and on. Nitschke, these guys are they're icons, and I, I'm truly honored and blessed to be not only before you tonight, but to be here forever. Yeah, that is uh, Brett Favre, who was inducted into the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame earlier this week at Lambeau. Everyone, the who's who in the sports industry uh, was there, former teammate of mine, Houston Texans teammate of mine, Amon Green, who played a couple of years with Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre, he was there. Uh, Steve Mariucci, he was there. So it, it was great for uh, the Packers and great for uh, the NFL football. And, and I think the, the, the wild thing was people don't understand. I mean, 
when you come in the game, no matter how you come into the game, at some point there has to be an exit. Are you prepared for that exit? Most players are not because you, you end up going out one of two ways, either because your body has been broken down and just can't do it anymore, or the team that brought you in decides it's time to make a change. Either you're making too much money or you're too long in a two, and now it's time to move on and bring in some new blood. And there was some bad blood for a while with Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers. We all know about uh, the Packers' a situation with Brett Favre being there and them drafting Aaron Rodgers in the first round. And everyone thought it was crazy. And even at the time, I thought it was crazy, the fact that you draft the guy in the first round in Aaron Rodgers when you already have uh, a, a guy who's already there who's going to be a Hall of Famer in Brett Favre. But the Packers were ahead of the curve. There's a reason why you see the same teams competing in the playoffs in the Super Bowls year in and year out. It's football. It's not rocket science. You know, you have the Patriots are always there. And, you know, we're going to talk about that a little later. What's going on with Tom Brady? Uh, the, the Packers are there. Uh, the Giants are there. I mean, there's a reason these teams uh, are there uh, every year. The Steelers, they're there. There's something that they're doing within the organization uh, that, that is, is right. But at some point, no matter who you are, Johnny Unitas, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Brett Favre, the list goes on and on. At some point, father time is going to come knocking or the team is going to move past you. And it, it just seemed like it was bad on the surface, what was happening with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, the relationship. And Brett, Brett Favre went on record saying, listen, I was hired to win games for the Packers, not to help a guy who's been brought in to replace me. There's a lot of guys in the NFL that definitely feel that way. And the NFL training camp really quickly is vastly approaching. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, Cleveland Browns, and the Baltimore Ravens, uh, their rookies uh, reported yesterday. And the rookies for the New England Patriots report tomorrow with uh, other teams reporting and veterans reporting uh, this over this weekend. But uh, like I was saying, at some point it's going to happen. And, and, and sometimes as a fan and as a former player, it is sad when you see some of the players you grew up watching, this happened too. Uh, and we all know what happened with Joe Montana when he was with the 49ers. He helped them to a couple of Super Bowls. The next thing you know, we had to watch him play out his career as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. So it, it happens at some point, but I'm glad they were able to put their differences aside because, you know, Coach Lombardi personifies Green Bay football. Brett Favre, does the same thing. I mean, until they traded for, for him from the Atlanta Falcons, it was kind of like a downward spiral for the Green Bay Packers. That one player changed the direction and how we view the Packers football up until this point. And it just kind of made it easy for a guy like Aaron Rodgers to kind of step in. It gave him some pressure, don't get me wrong, but it made it easy for a guy like Aaron Rodgers to kind of step in to a fold where you had this great fan base. And, you know, there's always an argument about what fans are the best. If you had to, you know, do your top five, you know, where would Green Bay actually fit in that? You listen to Nick Ferguson's secondary perspective here on Voice America Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. But when I look at the Green Bay Packers and that, that fan base, they're owned by the fans, the city in Green Bay. 
And they're the only team that, that actually has that. For, for me, they are, if not, you know, the best fans. And I know a couple of fans and a couple of teams I play for would, would probably be upset with me. But when you look at that, that Green Bay, uh, what it means to football itself, you know, NFL and AFL, the, that whole rivalry, how we got to the NFC, AFC, you know, they were the basic building blocks for me that the NFL was built on. So there's a lot of storylines, a lot of heritage in that, that organization, but those fans are, are diehard. Anytime as a fan, when you know it, it gets cold in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I know Chicago is cold. I know Buffalo is cold. But Green Bay is cold. When you see fans out there on the sign of a minus 16 with the windshield factor and they have on no shirts, that's dedication. That is dedication, and those Green Bay Packers fans are definitely uh, dedicated. So, uh, uh, Brett Farr, what more can I say about it? I mean, a great honor. Only thing left, like I said, is for him to don that gold jacket, that, that gold yellow jacket for uh, Canton, Ohio. Really quickly, uh, a couple of stories about uh, Brett Farr and my experience. As a young member of the New York Jets, we faced the Green Bay uh, Packers and and, you know, the, the, the outcome is not a big deal. Yeah, we, we, we beat them. But the more important thing was what I saw took place. Brett Farr is a leader. I mean, say what you want to say about him. That guy is a leader. He talks trash. He has fun. I mean, he gets injured. He gets up. That's the type of guy that Brett Farr uh, is. And I remember Aaron Beasley, who uh, used to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he was playing with the New York Jets with us at that time. And he came to the sideline after a deflection on the Brett Favre pass. And he had a mark of a football on the side of his helmet. Now, it wasn't one of those kind of like black rubber marks or one of those marks you experience when you, you get two guys colliding and their face masks is hit and the helmets collide. It wasn't one of those marks. Let me tell you, people. It was an actual mark of a football, right? That, that kind of... Uh, uh, I guess, what is it, uh, uh, opal or whatever it is, kind of mark or shape of a football, that mark was on the side of Aaron Beasley's helmet. And it was brown. And you can almost rub your fingers across it and feel the texture of a football. That's how hard Brett Farr threw the ball. It, it left a mark on Aaron Beasley's uh, helmet. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my, my Denver Broncos days, and uh, I guess it, his, it's a devastating story about uh, – Brett Farr, but, you know, we, we were on a bad end of that as a member of the uh, Denver Broncos. It's Monday night football. Uh, Brett Farr, I mean, I mean they're loaded, loaded. I mean, the Green Bay Packers are just loaded uh, offensively. And it was one of those games where you had to bring your A game. It's Monday night football, and you're playing against the Green Bay Packers and Brett Farr. So they were moving the ball up and down, down the field. We did our part on defense and offense to kind of hold them. Uh, our offense was a little stagnant and really couldn't get things going. So uh, great plays that, that were made to force the game into overtime. Jay Cutler helped push the ball into the end zone, and we pushed it into overtime. Now, ensuing kickoff, we kick the ball off. The crowd is charged up. We have the momentum. Uh, Andre Hall, running back, uh, stopped the returner inside the 20. And for those who are avid football fans, you understand how important – when you look at the field position, especially overtime, 
stopping an opponent, you know, in their 20, within their 20. So that now put Green Bay on a long field to work with. So the defense, we come out, and this is the first play, the first play of script from scrimmage in overtime. And, you know, I, I was kind of rotating down in the box, and this was a game that John Lynch didn't play because he was injured. So we had some other uh, reserve safeties in the game at the time. And as I'm rotating down to make an attempt to blitz from depth, I just see Brett Favre just cock his arm back, look one direction, and just sling the ball. It was almost like uh, David shooting that rock and hitting Goliath in the, in the forehead with the rock. You know, you guys all, all know that story. But he threw the ball so deep so far. And all I did was look, and I saw the ball trajectory in the air. And I knew it was a touchdown. It was six right away. I didn't even bother to give chase. I just started walking towards the sideline. I know, I know it sounds bad, but at that point, I, I knew all they needed was a touchdown and the game was over. And, and on that play, it was a play where Dre Bly was covering uh, uh, Jenkins, Greg Jenkins. And he, he kind of beat him off the line, and it was just it was a touchdown. A sensational play, and, and that just kind of goes into the folklore of Brett Favre, you know, into who he is and what he's done, and, me, and like clutch. People talk about you know, uh, Eli Manning being clutch. Brett Favre was clutch. Peyton Manning was clutch. But that was a great play by Brett Favre. And it, it, it was definitely sensational. I remember because it was, it was we were on the bad end of that. But also the fact that, you know, I was kind of, you know, a part of history, a part of Brett Favre history. So I, I'm happy and blessed to say that I had an opportunity to play against uh, one of the best quarterbacks uh, in, in the NFL. Um, on other notes, of course, everyone knows about this ongoing issue with Tom Brady and Deflategate. Uh, we have been de- debating at nauseum. I had former uh, quarterback, Arizona State quarterback and Broncos quarterback, Jake Plummer on the program, talking about the fact of, is there any truth that quarterbacks like to have the football a certain way for them to throw it, the football being broken in? And both he and Shannon Sharp had different opinions about this issue and, and you know, they're not the only one. When you talk to some of the, the, the previous quarterbacks in the NFL, like Troy Aikman and Jim Kelly, those quarterbacks believe that Tom Brady knew. And for me, when, to hear them say that, that tells me that this is not the first time. That quarterbacks love to have their footballs a certain way so they can get their hands in them so they can grip them. So th- this is an ongoing thing in the NFL. And I talked about it before. If you're saying that Tom Brady had the balls deflated, and you're saying the rules state that you cannot alter the balls. And Aaron Rodgers has said, and Phil Simms, you know, on the Deadspin article, I played the audio on the show before, that he likes to have more air in the ball. And just kind of wanting to see if the officials actually would test the ball and take the, the air out. Now, everyone's blaming the Patriots because they say prior history. But I'll say this. There are other officials that touch the ball either before or after the play. So why haven't anyone actually really discussed that? Are, are they well aware of the pressure, the PSI, that's supposed to be in the ball on every single play? And you would think that if the Colts players were saying that they noticed that the balls were a little deflated, why didn't the officials? And even Joe Theismann has come out to say, uh, you know, former Redskins quarterback, that he doesn't know what's taking so long 
with Roger Goodell, why he hasn't, you know, stood fast on his four-game suspension with the New England Patriots. I don't know what's going on either. I mean, you had a 243-page Wells report that was supposedly outlined the fact of what happened with Tom Brady, these two equipment guys, and the ball itself. But still, we're talking about the same issue. And when you look at the Patriots as a whole, if, if you are the Patriots organization, if there's going to be a four-game suspension, you want to know if it's going to be now. You don't want it to happen maybe week seven. You got the Jets. You have the Bills. You have uh, the Broncos. You don't want to have it at that particular point because that puts your team in a bad situation. You're now on a roll. You have momentum going into the midpoint of the season, especially in that week 10 area, and then now Brady is suspended. Either you stick with the four-game suspension, you reduce it, or just get rid of it entirely. I I just say just get rid of it entirely because what is it that we know? I mean, two weeks from now, are we going to know more information than we know now? You guys set together in New York, for 11 hours, still nothing happened. And, you know, Greg Levy, uh, one of the finalists for the commissioner's position in 2006, who was a legal consultant on this uh, Brady hearing, this is what he had to say. He said, it's believed that Levy has been warning Goodell that it would be difficult to make a suspension stick in court even under the heightened standard that applies to challenging the outcome of a private arbitration agreement. So even Levy is trying to encourage Goodell, look, if this thing goes to court, we already know what's going to happen. And if you're Tom Brady, everyone's wondering why Tom Brady has chosen not to say anything. Hey, look, why say anything? You've already accused me already, me coming out saying something uh, in my defense. How much would that change? Let's just go to court and let the legal system handle it. And I don't think the NFL want that to happen because now you're going to set a precedent where now – future situations of disagreement with, the, with Roger Goodell, the commissioner, now guys say, well, Tom Brady took it to federal court. He won, so I want to take it to federal court. So to me, let it go. We're talking about a football. We're not talking about DUI. We're not talking about substance abuse. We're talking about a deflated ball that from the Wells report said it's probably likely Tom Brady was aware of what's happening. Once again, I don't know what that language means. That still may be in, in, my, in my book. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to dietitian for the Houston Astros and Rice University Owls. Roberta Anding will be on the program, and she's going to put separate fact from fiction and, and put the rest, this whole idea of PDs with professional athletes. And is it really tough for professional athletes to navigate this minefield that is sports nutrition in the offseason? You're listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. We'll be right back on the opposite side of this break. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? (laughs) 
Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're listening to secondary perspective with nick ferguson to get in the lineup for today's show please call 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com now, back to the show. That's right. We are going to make it. That's probably the anthem of uh, several teams as NFL training camp is upon us. Like I said earlier, uh, several teams have reported already, but more to report over the weekend. Uh, one thing that's been heavily deba- debated, whether it's been this offseason or previous offseason, is how to maintain what you've already have as a veteran, as a rookie, and all levels of professional sports, but more importantly, in the NFL. Uh, as of late, we saw Antonio Gates, talented, sure to be Hall of Fame tight end for the San Diego Chargers, uh, get suspended for performance-enhancing drugs. And players always say, I, don't, I didn't know what it was that I was taking. And most people think that, yeah, they know. How is it that you do not know was in something that you're taking? Someone here to kind of share some light on that. Uh, let me give you a little bit about her history. Sports dietitian for, uh, former for the Houston Texans, but currently for the Houston Astros, the Houston Ballet, and the Rice University Owls. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Roberta Anding. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Roberta Anding, to the program. Miss Anding, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nick, for having me. It's always such a pleasure and honor when I get a chance to speak with you. I feel, I, I, I feel so welcome now. Last time you were on the show, I told Mario, uh, my host was not with me today, somehow you found a way of calming down the atmosphere <laughs> on the show and yet again you, you do it again so uh thank you for uh joining me again now you know you heard me talk about antonio gates and i think that was one of the biggest things uh one of the biggest stories is the fact that a guy like antonio gates who's never had any troubles like this found right. himself being a victim of performance enhancing drugs uh how, how difficult 
is it for guys to navigate this minefield, as I would call it, of sports nutrition as they try to maintain muscle mass or lean muscle mass at that? Yep, and I think, I think that's it. It is a minefield. If you look at um, the way dietary supplements are not regulated in the United States, this is one of the reasons why it becomes so difficult. So the, um, all professional sporting organizations, as well as the NCAA, will tell athletes, you and you alone are responsible for what goes in your body, which is nice and is factually true, but when you're looking for an edge, it's hard to say, okay, well, yeah, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm really looking for this edge that's going to allow me to be bigger, stronger, faster, play a few more years, and how do I do that? To put all of this in perspective, Nick, um, there was a great article in 2014 in the Journal of the American Medical Association that stated about half of the FDA drug recalls since 2004 have involved dietary supplements adulterated, which is the key word, with banned pharmaceutical ingredients. So it's not, adulterated means it's not declared on the label. So you can look at the label, think you've got something that's good to go because there's no, you know, known banned ingredient, there's not an anabolic steroid derivative, there's not things that you know you shouldn't take. But the companies lie, and they adulterate, and they put it in there, and because if I give you a whey protein adulterated with an anabolic steroid, you will get bigger. You will get more muscular. You will get all of that. But is it the whey protein or is the adulterated anabolic steroid? So it is truly a minefield. So, so how is it possible for players to actually find a product that is, one, approved by the NFL, is not on the banned substance list, and you know, basically protect themselves for testing positive for performance-enhancing drug and being labeled a cheater? Yeah, there are a couple safeguards. There are a couple, and nothing is perfect, and so there's nothing that's 100%. But there are two major certifying organizations in the United States and abroad. One is NSF, um, NSF Certified for Sport, and you can actually download the app on your phone. And then the other one is something called Informed Choice. And both of these certifying organizations will um, go in and do independent third-party testing for banned ingredients. Now, the key here is they're testing for things that are banned ingredients, but it doesn't mean that the product itself either works. So just because something has an NSF seal on it doesn't mean it works. It just means you're not going to have a positive drug test, but it could be contaminated with something they don't test for. So, for example, if it comes from a foreign distributor, it could test positive for something like lead, well, it's not necessary. You're not going to have a positive drug test for lead, but you don't want to be taking that either. So there's a test, again, NSF or informed choice, that will look for banned substances. And then the second thing is, do you have something that doesn't come from um, particularly the Asian part of the world, Asian continent? If you just join us, we're joined by dietitian. I call it dietitian to the stars, but uh, Houston Ballet, Rice University Owls, and the Houston Texans, to her credit, with other publications as well. Uh, uh, talk to me about creatine. Now, creatine is something that I heard of before where it's produced in our bodies but in small amounts, but it's predominantly in, I guess, I guess meat, poultry. Uh, is, are there any other health benefits to creatine, and is that, is that a product as well that the NFL is kind of outlawed as well? Well, it, again, if you get one that is, that is um, NSF or Informed Choice certified, creatine is one of those dietary supplements that actually works. 
there's about 200 studies suggesting the effectiveness of creatine, and you're exactly right. It's made in your body in small amounts. Um, meat and animal protein products are going to be the, the best source of creatine. And basically the way I describe it is it helps you get one more, one more rep in the weight room, one more sprint that you didn't think that you could do. So if you're an all-out worker and you've kind of tapped out and you can't get that last rep, this is something that's going to help you get that. So creatine does work for these short bursts of high-intensity activities and helps you to get one more. There's also some interesting information um, and studies out there now taking a look at creatine as part of a concussion protocol. So does creatine serve some additional benefit in individuals that have um, traumatic brain injury, and I'm going to say stay tuned um, for more science on that. But the NFL uh, doesn't ban it per se, but they're going to say, you know what, you are responsible for the type of creatine that you get, and you better get one that's clean, safe, and legal. So they're not going to tell you no. They're just going to say no but. Now, there was something I, I came across that uh, as far as cardiovascular uh, disease and professional athletes, and we, we all are trying to live a healthy and clean life. And mm-hmm. you know, there's the whole idea of uh, sugar and high fructose corn syrup. But but are we seeing something that could possibly? I don't want to put the two together, but when you look at the NFL uh, athletes and cardiovascular uh, health, can, can we actually put those two together? Is there some parity there between the two things? Yeah, I think, there, I think there is, and certainly knowing you as well as I do, it really turns out to be a total diet concept. So what I mean by that is we, we don't want to pick on one food in isolation. It's what are you putting on your plate? So what we know is that athletes that consistently eat, particularly linemen, a high-sugar diet, uh, whether it's table sugar, high-fructose corn syrup, a high-sugar diet, they are more likely long-term to end up with some alterations in blood fats that are not ideal. So let me translate that science, is when you alter your blood fats in a bad direction, cholesterol and triglycerides, it is a contributor to the development of cardiovascular disease. So I do think this is the true importance of having a qualified sports dietitian for not only every professional football team, but for every college team, because in reality, that's oftentimes where people have some of their dietary habits molded. But it has to be that whole diet approach of, do I have the right balance of nutrients at each meal? And then you also know this, it's never good nutrition if somebody won't eat it. So um, we can come up with eclectic meal plans, but if guys aren't going to eat it, then they're still going to go out and get whatever they want. But I do think the uh, risk of cardiovascular disease for all Americans is high, and it really is because we've, um, I'm going to say, uh, strayed away from some good scientific principles on how bodies need to be fueled. Well, once again, we're joined by Roberta Anding on Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. You can follow her on Twitter with Roberta Anding. Uh, you know what? When I think about health as a whole, and, and I said it before, you know, everyone's trying to, to live a healthy life. And you talked about dietitians. And there are certain sports franchises that have adopted this because they realize that the players win games. And you, like I said before, you cannot put cheap gas in a Ferrari. So having <laughs> fried chicken and pizza is not going to help your players play 
during the week in practice and on Sundays. Now, as far as the dietitian is concerned, how, how is it that the league is checking for, I guess, making sure that the individuals have the right credentials? Because there has to be some bad advice that's being given, and how do we protect the players from the bad advice? Yeah, and I'm going to say part of this was led by the NFLPA. They now require that you have a credential to do this. And so you can't just bring in anybody off the streets, call them a nutritionist, and put them there. They actually have to have a license to practice. Because there were, there were times in the NFL history that people were being brought in that truly didn't have the qualifications to do that. And so now the league says you have to identify your nutrition professional, and they have to have a license to practice, which I think is, is a safeguard for players. But it also uh, is, and certainly when I worked at the Texans, one of the things that um, I was able to do um, through the advice of my really great buddy, Dan Riley, was we developed a food committee of leaders on the team where they would also give me advice. So it's not just I had a credential. It's I wanted to understand the pulse of the team, what was going to fly, what wasn't going to fly, so I could come up with a program that my athletes would eat that was evidence-based and would work in terms of not only, as you said, putting the right fuel in the Ferrari, but I always said you're somebody's brother, you're somebody's son, you're somebody's daddy, you're somebody's husband, and I want to make sure that you live to be 105 to enjoy your health and all the, the fruits of your labor. So winning on Sunday was important, but it was also to me much more about Am I taking care of you as an adult man? And so that's where all of that, the credential and the experience and bringing players in to the discussion is critical to make sure that a sports nutrition program is actually going to fly. Roberta Anding joining Secondary Perspective here. Uh, The new, I guess, uh, drug of choice has become uh, Adderall. I guess we look at that as a performance-enhancing drug. And some guys have said that they needed to take that drug to help them focus and concentrate, contrary to popular belief of what we, what we think about the drug itself. At some point, do you think that the NFLPA would fight for maybe therapeutic uh, exemptions for guys who have been diagnosed with ADHD? Or is this just kind of a flash in the pan type of thing? I, I think that's a, a, actually an excellent point, because if you truly do have ADHD and Adderall or any of those, that family of drugs, Concerta, et cetera, are the treatment of choice, and that's best medicine practices. To me, that's, that's needed to help people focus and concentrate, get through their playbook, et cetera. The hard part is, what about the people who don't have that as a diagnosed disease? So getting a therapeutic exemption for a drug that's been prescribed by a physician is really pretty key, and a good percentage, um, and I don't know that I, I have a, a number for you, Nick, but a good percentage of guys who test positive is they just didn't get the appropriate therapeutic exemption. And this is where your certified athletic trainer, your head athletic trainer is going to hopefully dog people to say, please make sure that you declare every single medicine prescribed or over the counter that you take so we can help you to navigate those waters. But when we look at focus and concentration in a professional athlete, there is something else that people can use strategically, and it's coffee. Coffee and tea, because they're natural caffeine sources, improve focus and concentration. So there's been lots of studies using coffee as a sports-enhancing aid to improve focus and concentration on the field. So sometimes we can um, turn back to 
Mother Nature and, and come up with a, a natural alternative. And certainly coffee, this may be good for your listeners, coffee is one of the leading sources of antioxidants in the American diet. It is a plant and people who drink coffee are less likely to have type 2 diabetes and liver cancer. So not only am I getting the performance benefit, I'm getting the health benefit as well. Well, now, you're talking about the fact of coffee, and there's a lot of coffee drinkers in this country, and I've seen it in my years playing in the NFL, but are there some side effects from coffee? Because now we're talking about a lot of players you know, needing to focus and, and reading the NFL playbook. If you've never seen one, you need to see one of these things. I mean, it is <laughs> humongous, and you're responsible for knowing everything in that book inside and out. But we're dealing with you know, high temperatures. It is the summer. If you're in Houston, the temperatures can range from 99 degrees to 104, and that's 8 o'clock, in the, 8 o'clock in the morning. So, so will or could coffee have a hydration side effect where it's helping you with focus, but hydration is a totally different thing? Oh, this is, that's just such an excellent question. And this is where the dose determines if it's beneficial or not. Um, and that's why I said the strategic use of coffee. Too much caffeine, and that's actually the... the ergogenic or the enhancing aid in coffee, too much caffeine can be a diuretic and anything over about 180 milligrams, which is a strong cup of coffee, anything over that. So if you're pounding back four or five Red Bulls, absolutely, you can have a diuretic effect from that amount of caffeine. And the strategic use of caffeine, Nick, really means that you don't drink it on a regular basis. You're not drinking, you know, four or five Starbucks in a day, but you use it strategically when you need to focus. So if you said, you know, I'm going to dive into my playbook on Tuesday and I'm going to spend some time doing that, well, then you might want to have some coffee before you do that. If you say I need to get amped up and I need a little more diligent focus on Sunday, you may want to have coffee as part of your pregame meal. But you can't drink it all day long because, one, you become acclimated to that amount of caffeine, and, two, you will get um, too much of it. Too much of it will give you a diuretic effect. So you're absolutely right. Roberta Anding joining Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective here on Voice America. Uh, we were just talking about the temperatures in training camp for high school players, college players, mm. and uh, NFL players, and, and that's always a tricky field for athletic trainers. How do they properly hydrate their players? I mean, you have all kinds of sports drink, and I think the new craze is, was, was coconut water, and I think it still is. You know, what's the proper way to hydrate, and how soon before activity should one decide to hydrate themselves? Well, and you certainly can imagine um, being here in Houston, it's, it's hot starting in April and it finishes in October. So hydration is this 24-7 job. The, the best ways to monitor your own hydration status, first and foremost, is, the, is a scale. And as an athlete, if you lose a pound of weight in physical activity, that's equal to a 16-ounce water bottle of sweat that you didn't replace. So I've had athletes lose, and, and maybe, Nick, you were in this category, 10 to 12 pounds in the first two hours. Well, if you do the math, a 10-pound weight loss is equal to 160 ounces of sweat. And in reality, that's a gallon and a half. So a gallon and a half in a two-hour practice, and oh, by the way, you've got to go back out later on in the afternoon, even if it's just for a walkthrough. So you've got this gallon and a half of sweat. Coconut water, I like it because it's light and refreshing. It's not a great source of sodium. So the hard part is sweat is salty, and so you lose 
sodium in your sweat. And that is where, again, strategic is the key word, the strategic use of a sports drink can be helpful. So the first 45 minutes or so of a, of a workout, water is going to be fine. But if the exercise goes on for greater than 60 minutes, a sodium-containing sports drink will help to pre, um, replace the primary electrolyte that's lost in sweat, which in, indeed is, is sodium. You can imagine coconut water became popular uh, with Usain Bolt. <laughs> I'm going to say he's once in a lifetime good. Coconut <laughs> water I don't think was what made him Usain Bolt, but he was really the person who popularized the use of coconut water. And raw coconut water is going to have a little bit more sodium than the stuff that you can get commercially made. And so, again, the more we can get it from the plant, the better off we're going to be. Wow, that, that was a, a plethora of information. I, I, I swear I could sit here and talk to you for hours about sports and nutrition. I continue to kind of battle that and try to keep myself uh, in shape. And luckily I'm married to a woman uh, who wants to keep me around. So uh, <laughs> she, she puts a lot of healthy things on the table, even though I don't want to uh, actually eat them because my, my whole thing, when I talk to her, my wife about asparagus, She's like, Nick, why, why is it that you don't like asparagus? I said, it tastes like grass. She asked me, well, how is it that you know how grass tastes? I said, wait a minute. First of all, you remember the occupation? You know, I played for 10 years. There was grass. So I know how grass tastes. And asparagus is one of those things that, that I, I don't want to eat. It, it, for green leafy vegetables, I try my best and I eat spinach. But the only way I can eat it is dry. Anything like red kale and things like that, red cabbage that I've started to uh, put in my diet, I can't really eat it. I have to throw it in the blender, this, yep. this Vitamix blender that I have, and throw some pineapple in it. And that's the only way I can do it. But I'm trying. I'm trying you know to what? do my best. You, you got it, Nick. And good nutrition happens in a variety of ways. And clearly for people that don't like some of these vegetables, that's actually the best suggestion is to throw it in a blender with something that's naturally sweet like pineapple or banana. And now it kind of covers up the taste, although I don't think asparagus would work. And you're getting the same nutrition, the exact same nutrition, just in a form that you like and that's delicious for you. And I will say this, I know you well enough to know that you're a really disciplined guy. So I would say even if your wife didn't put it in front of you, you're a really disciplined guy and that's why you're um, so lean and fit as a retired NFL player. I, I, listen, I try to do my best. And uh, I even, you know, my kids love a lot of comic book movies. So when we throw green vegetables in and try to get more vegetables in our kids' diet, I just tell them that's the Incredible Hulk shake. <laughs> so, so that's how I, I, I tell them. And my son loves it because it's like now he can go into this whole Incredible Hulk thing where he rips off his shirt. And I'm just like, just keep drinking that stuff, guy. Just keep drinking it. And just think of all the great habits you're teaching him that um, he will carry into adulthood, and that is his health um, 401K. You're investing in his health 401K by teaching him all those great principles so early on. I think education is, 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 is so important, and thank you for joining the program once again and educating myself and our listeners even more. Whether you're an avid uh, athlete or you're a weekend warrior, make sure you go out, follow this advice, uh, I mean, if you want to play like an NFL player, you have to eat and you have to train like one. And Miss Anding just gave us a blueprint for that. But once again, you can follow her on Twitter at RobertaAnding.com. Uh, Miss Anding, thank you for joining the program as always. 
My pleasure, and so um, great to be with you and your listeners this afternoon. All right, thank you. Coming up after the break, find out what NBA star may find his way into maybe a comic book movie. That and more after this break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. We are back, and that was a great segment with Roberta Anding. I encourage you to follow her on Twitter. Ask her any kind of health and nutritional question you need to ask her. She got that for you. Uh, there was a Players Award ceremony on BET. There's an encore performance uh, showing tonight. Uh, I encourage you to watch it if you did miss it, in fact. But some very impressive uh, individuals have showed up. Performances by Two Chains, DJ Khaled, Fifth Harmony, Kid Ink, Little Wayne, and Monica. And you know, there's always been this thing with NBA or sports and, and hip hop. And for years early on, uh, for those youngsters that are out there, the NBA did not want, I guess, that that joining, that connection, that infiltration of hip hop and basketball. But one person that changed that, and he was honored last night by his peers in the first annual Players Awards. Once again, encore performance on BET, and that was Alan Iverson, and this is what he had to say in his acceptance speech. Growing up wanting to be like Mike, 
It's what's up, ain't it? If it wasn't for him, you know what I mean, I wouldn't be on the stage. I wouldn't have had the vision to be a basketball player. Um, so I love him for that, and I honor him for that. Um, this award is one of the most special awards that I've ever received because it comes from y'all, man. You know what I mean? It comes from, come from y'all. You know, y'all the guys that, that brought everything out of me night in and night out. It's just a, it's been a great ride. Um, I had a conversation with God and, um, you know, I, I asked him, you know, for him to let me come back as AI and sprinkle a little MJ on me. A little LeBron mixed with some Mello and some Kevin Durant um, with a Steph Curry jump shot and handle <laughs> and, uh, and Chris Paul toughness. Um, when I leave out of the crib every day, people always ask me, you know, say to me, you know, what's up, AI? And I tell them the same thing 99.9% of the time. I tell them the same fight, different round. And um, that's what it is. You know, this, this, this world is a, a world title fight. You know what I mean? And some rounds, the rounds are days. And some, some days you're gonna get knocked down and some rounds gonna be good, some gonna be bad. But the only thing that matters is getting back up and fighting again. Um, I want to thank, I want to thank my, my family, my friends. Um, this is a tribute to y'all and my fans for um, believing in me and helping me get to this point. Um, my kids, I want to thank y'all for being that crutch when everything is not going so well in my life. I get to come home and, and see y'all and use y'all as a crutch. I want to. Um, I want to thank Tawana Iverson. I mean, met her at 16 years old, and um, we still here, baby. <laughs> and, uh, I love you. I love y'all. Take it easy. Yeah. I wanted to play that uh, in its entirety, and that's uh, Allen Iverson, uh, former point guard of Denver Nuggets, and uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, because, you know, I grew up watching him not saying that he, he's much older than I am, but I just like love the way he played the game, his, his style and his approach. He was aggressive, even though he was a smaller guy and people had told him at the beginning of his career that he wouldn't be able to do it because of his size. I know what that's like for someone to invalidate you and don't think that you are able or capable of performing with guys much larger than yourself or your body would say, but uh, outstanding performer, and sometimes it's hard to escape that life of the inner city. And we know that mindset because you get trapped in it. You know, you, it's a hard exterior. And we saw that with Allen Iverson. We see a lot of players today, both um, and maybe NFL and basketball going through that same thing. But he changed the culture. Cornrows, tattoos, he changed that. This first player's oh, NBA awards, for me, you might as well just call it AI awards because he made it possible for guys to embrace who they are and for the league to accept them for who uh, they, they are. Other uh, noted winners uh, from the first NBA Players Award, uh, Coach Popovich of the Spurs most wanted, uh, most, uh, excuse me, coach you most want to play for. 
And, of course, LeBron James, player you secretly wish was on your team. And to talk a little bit about LeBron James, we've seen uh, Urban Magic Johnson do it. This uh, could become really global as a businessman, not just an international basketball player. LeBron has that same potential. He actually partnered most re- recently his Spring Hill Entertainment with uh, Warner Brothers. And this is a guy that people actually hate, and I can't understand why people hate him. I'm from Miami. I've been a a fan since Ronnie Cycli days when we first started sitting in the rafters. And when he left Miami to go back to Cleveland, was I upset? But it wasn't one of those things where I wanted to attack him as a player and as a man because he stands by his family. He is a family man. He makes $4 million outside the game of basketball in endorsements. He's not running around and fathering, you know, kids in every city he plays for. So he is a guy that most guys in the NBA wish that they had on his team, but I guess everyone aspired to be like. I mean, he's taking his game international, and now he's trying to take that further and leave a legacy for his kids and his family, and, and I definitely respect that, and obviously you've seen him, if you haven't, and the movie that came out last week, Train Wreck with Bill Hader, the hilarious Bill Hader, and uh, Amy Schremer. Uh, LeBron is in that movie. So LeBron could possibly, could possibly make an appearance in a comic book movie soon. Wouldn't we all love that? I would love to see what character uh, he plays. But uh, definitely I wish him uh, much success. And, I mean, he, he has uh, other guys uh, who he's following in the footsteps of Michael Jordan, like I said, Urban Magic Johnson. And also he started uh, something himself getting involved with the media, allowing players to be involved with his uninterrupted uh, site, which allows players to put commentary and documentary of life outside the game. So that, that's kind of very interesting. But LeBron James doing a great job. Also, uh, the most valuable player that was presented and voted on by the players, James Harden. Uh, this, this is one that I actually questioned because Steph Curry, you know, actually played his, his, his butt off. And we all remember that play, James Harden's coming down, you know, Klay Thompson and Curry both cover him. He can't give the ball up. He wants to take the final shot. And, and you know, he, you got to be, you know, unselfish. You got to get the ball, ball away to someone trailing on that play. But to his credit, he was awarded by the players. So uh, kudos, James Harden, for winning uh, that award. And the controversial, DeAndre Johnson, Gian Jordan, excuse me, of the uh, L.A. Clippers uh, took home the Best Defender uh, Award. I'm sure that the Mavs fans wish that he would have been a part of their team, but that's all water under the bridge, or is it? I can't wait for NBA season for those two teams to face off to see what happens. Once again, I want to thank my guest, Roberta Andy, for joining the program. NFL training camp, it starts this week. This begins the race to see what two teams, but more importantly, what one team will be there at the end hoisting up the Lombardi Trophy. I'm Nick Ferguson. This is Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here next week, Thursday. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week.